Well, welcome, welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. This is Lisa Anderson, and I get to introduce another great slate of friends uh, here to you this week in our various segments. And so let me tell you what's coming up later on for our inbox. We have a listener who's wondering, how do I stop my habit of cursing? And I mean, this is a great question because you can fill in the blank of whatever your sin proclivity of choice is. So quite frankly, we're going to talk specifically about cursing, but this, there's much that applies. So uh, our counselor, Jerry Jones, is going to weigh in on that. And then for our culture segment, we have Ryan Hemelar here. He's the founder of NeedGod.net, an online platform dedicated to sharing the gospel on the internet. Uh, he's going to be coming to us straight from Australia. So a super fun conversation with him, looking for creative ways to talk about your faith, um, especially when you're interacting with the digital world. So really cool there. All right, now for our roundtable. This is going to be a pivot topic. We're really kind of offering a smorgasbord of stuff this week, which is kind of fun. And we have got Valley, Sarah, and John here to talk about believing that marriage is a good thing to pursue. And so first of all, welcome to all three of you. Thanks, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Hey, hey. Um, okay, which, I mean, people are kind of like, especially if you're a listener and you're a Christian, you're probably like, isn't it, shouldn't we just assume that it's a good thing to pursue? I mean, marriage is in the Bible. But if we look generationally, we're going to see, and we've got, you know, y'all are younger young adults. I'm just going to be honest, okay? Not young, young. I mean, we're talking about you're all in your 20s, though, right? Okay. Yeah. Yes, yeah. we are. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, 30-somethings, this is still going to apply to you, okay? So just hang in there. Um, But the reason I'm saying this is that Gen Z in particular is really polling as very marriage-averse. In fact, I think uh, we're seeing now that about 30% of Gen Zers will not be married by the time they're 40. And many Gen Zers will say they don't even want to get married. In fact, I think about 25% are saying that at this point. So... There are a lot of reasons for that. And quite frankly, you millennials who are listening, you've had a hard time getting to marriage, too, for a number of reasons that we've talked about on this show. And so we want to talk about what are some of those barriers? How do we overcome them? And why do we just, you know, why can we or how can we think of marriage as a good thing that is still uh, something that God is a big fan of and that he really is an advocate of and will help us get to marriage in a healthy way if that's his plan for us. And so I want to kind of start out the conversation by getting a little bit of background from y'all about give us your current relationship status and how this plays into the way you were raised and your thoughts about marriage, kind of what were you taught when you were younger, kind of the vibe around your home, how your parents were, um, how that played into everything. So Valley, how about if we Valley, our fabulous summer intern for Boundless, first of all, (laughs) um, you got to tell us a little bit about your story too. So um, why don't you go ahead and start? Yeah, so I am engaged. I just got engaged this last October, and I'm getting married in early August of this year. So that is super (laughs) exciting. It is really coming up. Yeah, that's so fun. My parents actually just celebrated their 30-year anniversary Mm. a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So, like, not very long ago. And, yeah, they have always displayed a very wonderful example of biblical marriage and, like, love with each other, like, through conflict and through all of the ups and downs, like holding on to one another and above all holding on to Christ, they come from pretty different um, circumstances when it comes to marriage. My dad, his parents are still married. All of his um, 
sisters and such are still married. And my mom, everybody on her side of the family has been divorced. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So that's pretty quite a different scenario for each parent as far as their family of origin. I also do want to say, you know, you mentioned you're engaged and getting married very soon. What's just actually a couple, little more than a couple weeks at this point. My goodness. Um, You are an outlier in the sense that you're getting married young. I mean, you're still, you're going to finish your last year of college here coming up. And so um, that's a really unique perspective of someone who is like, marriage, I can do this. Okay. You know, and so that's cool. All right, Sarah, give us a little bit of your story. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in a loving Christian home. My family also just celebrated, my parents celebrated 30 years of marriage, oh, like wow. in May. Um, I just kind of saw just like their marriage and just how it has developed over the years. And even I feel like over the years, they just keep coming closer and just getting to know more of each other. My mom says that like, even though they've been thir- married for 30 years, like she's just now knowing my dad and like they're still like learning things about each other and just working on communication and just that process. Um, I felt like growing up, I kind of had a mindset of like finishing my goals first and then getting married. Mm-hmm. And I kind of noticed that in my life because I'm single right now because I went through my undergrad like being single and then I just finished my master's in counseling and um, I like didn't date and I was like, I just want to finish. And then I have like even more dreams and goals. And I was like, well, like, because I feel like society really pushes like, oh, focus on your dreams, focus on your goals. Like (laughs) Mm -hmm. marriage slows you down. And I feel like I'm rethinking that now. I'm just like, well, like marriage doesn't have to slow me down. It's also got it's part of God's plan. Like, Mm-hmm. And I don't have to choose between marrying somebody or my goals. I can do both yeah. and just being open to that. Now, where would you say like your extended family, Where what's the marriage scenario there? Like aunts and uncles? I mean, do, are most of them intact or have a lot of them stayed single or have some gotten divorced? Yeah, I noticed on my dad's side, there's more divorces. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom's side, um, there's more strong marriages of couples mm-hmm. staying together. Um, but both of my grandparents got divorced and when my mom and dad got together, they like decided like, well, we are not going to get divorced. We're going to stick together and stick through it. Okay. Good plan as far as that goes. All right, John. Yeah. So my parents were married for 33 years Mm -hmm. before my mom passed away three years ago. And I think growing up, I definitely had a very, um, very good view of marriage as well. Kind of like what y'all were sharing. It was a very loving home. We had a lot of fun. On both sides of the extended family, my mother's side of the family, almost everyone has stayed married. There's been very few divorces, even with extended cousins. Mm -hmm. Her parents, my grandparents on that side were married 62 years. But my dad's side of the family is very different. His side is very, um, he sadly is one of the very few who has stayed married. Mm -hmm. My grandparents on that side of the family, I knew both of them personally and have one of them is still alive, but um, they divorced when my dad was 11. And so there's kind of a little bit of a duality in my own family, even though I came from a loving family. And I think... um, Since graduating college, there's been some of my friends who I was very close with have gotten married and stayed married and now have kids. 
but I tragically have had a, a number of friends who did not even make it to two or three years in. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely been a mixed bag, I'd say, that's yeah. affected my own view of marriage. Yeah. I would say I have my folks a very similar situation. My dad is just a line of folks that were just straight up like pastors and missionaries, a lot of intact marriages. And then my mom's was a lot of brokenness, her own siblings, um, extended family, stuff like that. Um, And then my parents, very strong marriage, but their views on marriage were very assumptive. And so I've said this many times on The Boundless Show of how conversations with my mom were just like, Lisa, it just, you know, kind of happens like this should be very easy. And I was like, Mom, this is not easy. (laughs) Maybe it was easy when you got married because you just looked around and you're like, there's a believer who I could probably build a life with. Let's do it. And so, um, you know, it's become a lot the waters have become a lot muddier, I think, nowadays. And so, um, yeah, those are great perspectives, I think, all around. Um, Well, let's talk about, like, did you always feel like marriage could be in your future? Or especially talking to your peers and kind of, as I described, a lot of people who are just like, I don't know if we can do marriage and make it successful. I mean, there are a lot of people who live together before getting married and they just assume that's necessary to make this happen and to test out the waters. What were some of the doubts you've had along the way? Or it might just be straight up like, can I even find someone who's godly and who's compatible or whatever? Talk about some of the things you've wrestled with and just wondering who's out there and can you build a life with them? Yeah, for me, after a couple like really failed dates in college, I made a New Year's resolution that I was swearing off of all men. And like, (laughs) I was not going to date. Yeah, of course, that always (laughs) works. And yeah, so I was not going to date. I was going to focus. I'm going to be a career woman. Like, I'm just going to be celibate for the rest of my life and just like pursue a great career and like a big life and maybe travel to every inch of the whole wide world. (laughs) And I really had it in my head that in order to do all of those things, to have a good career, to travel, to like have an adventurous life, I needed to do it by myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was really clouded by a lot of the things society tells us that it's either or. Mm -hmm. And that's just not true from what I learned because in that year after I made my New Year's resolution is when I met my fiance, Nilo. (laughs) So obviously that didn't work out for me, but it really showed me that like, it's not an either or it's we can have both of these things an adventurous life a great career and alongside a wonderful partner mm-hmm. yeah I feel like I also agree to my mindset of marriage has changed over the years because I feel like similarly I believed like oh it can be either or or just having experienced like rejection with guys or like going on dates and being like I don't want to date I don't want to get hurt again I don't want to be like vulnerable like that another person um but I feel like when you have a wall, you like block out the good and the bad that can come in your life. Um, I feel like I've just been kind of focusing on like my goals and I feel like it's something I would say, I'd be like, oh, maybe when I'm in my late 30s, I might settle down and get married and have kids and kind of just seeing it as something I would do like near the end of my life. But I'm like, why not experience that now and just have that joy and just being able to like celebrate that gift from God. Um, and just pour into the next generation, like getting by getting married and having kids. Mm-hmm. In some ways, if I'm being honest, I battle some of these doubts now in the midst of working in full-time ministry where we're constantly trying to help people. It's important. I'm learning to guard your own heart because it's very easy that 
many times I can be working on programs where we're trying to give people hope. And then all of a sudden I check my social media feed. This actually happened last week where I found out a friend of mine has recently gotten divorced and I know the husband and wife and the kids. Hmm. And that's um, something that I have to continually take to the Lord. And so amidst the pain of that and amidst the disappointment of learning about other people who are going through hard times, I have to look at the pain for what it is and have to see that, yes, I mean, it's heartbreaking. I even question sometimes in my own heart, can this still work now? But that's when I have to turn to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I need you to lift this burden off of me. Mm Mm-hmm. So to that point, and kind of this gets back a little to what Valley was saying, how do you, I mean, I think there are a lot of young adults, especially Christian young adults who are like, well, I'm not opposed to marriage, but, you know, kind of like a, if it happens, it happens kind of mentality. But to be intentional about marriage and to say marriage is a good thing, marriage is something I actually should be like, you know, head up, eyes open, you know, looking around <laughs> for someone, if that's what God has for me, seems to be less assumptive. It's more like, you know, okay, I am, you know, kind of to Valley's point, or as Sarah said this too, I'm going to work on my career. I'm going to make sure I'm financially stable. There always seems to be all these other things that have to be in place first. So what do you do to reconcile yourself to the, maybe the fears or the angst or the like thinking that you have to get your ducks in a row or you have to have certain things in place about yourself or about another person before you can pull the trigger. Because I think if you got, you know, if you waited till you had all the answers, you're never going to get married. (laughs) If you wait till you have half of them, you'll probably be in your 40s. And even that's a stretch, you know. So it's kind of like, how do you balance the two? Like the questions you have and the, the worries you have about things to accomplish or money to have with just saying, yeah, I'm going to actually go after this. I think that society and like the um like Hollywood's view on what love and what marriage should look like really skews our perspective on this because it we always like society really points out there that there is the one out there for you and like you have to find the one, but I do not believe in the one. There is no <laughs> such thing as the one. And I think you really have to acknowledge that we are all sinful and corrupt people and sinful and corrupt beings and no matter how perfect your boyfriend or your girlfriend is like they are going to hurt you someday like they're human they're going to sin they're going to make you angry furious Mm -hmm. and just acknowledging the fact that you can have these human conflicts and that you can have troubles in your relationship and like arguments but still be able to work through it with that person like there's no there's no no hope it for relationships like that. Yeah, that's good. I also think about, so I have different friends in my life who got married young and kind of just looking at them and their relationships where I'm like, oh, they're still like pursuing their career and like growing in their career, but also like they have a really good marriage and kind of seeing like, oh, like I was wrong. Like I can have both and like kind of like noticing that and kind of just like shifting my perspective and when I see like good marriages and like something like a mentor, I was talking to my mentor about this because I was like, I don't know if I should start dating because I want to accomplish everything in my life. And she's like, well, it's also nice like having somebody there rooting for you, like while you're like accomplishing your like mm-hmm. dreams and goals and like having somebody like push you or like um, 
just be that support instead of you like doing it alone like by yourself and then like you meeting somebody and be like oh I accomplished all these things um or even like um developing like different habits how I feel like marriage also shapes you and like exposes like different habits you have and like when you get married later like you have like a long like list or like years of like bad habits you could have developed um and just like different things to work on Mm -hmm. I think practically speaking it's being open to just seeing what God can do and surrounding yourself with great friends, I think, is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. I haven't shared this before, but I recently went on a trip back home where I got the dating question, I think, about 10 times. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it does happen. I mean, people will ask, and I'll have to politely tell them, no, not now. But I also am trying to stay open to the fact that sometimes people will try to set you up. I've had a few set up attempts this year. Um, <laughs> none of, none of which have panned out to anything um, beyond just meeting, but which is okay. But at the same time, I can fixate on something I don't have yet. I can fixate on the questions that people are asking, or I can say, Hey God, what's the next thing you have for me to do? Mm-hmm. I've got, an amazing job. I have an incredible church. I have some of the best friends I've ever had in life so far. So I can keep enjoying those blessings and say, okay, whenever you want to bring somebody into my life, I'm going to keep working on myself and I'm going to keep trying to become the best version of myself that I can be because that's what ultimately I'm responsible for. And, um, I, I will give this caveat. I have tried some online dating before in the past. It really wasn't my thing. Some people love it. Some people have had great success with it. So if that's the way God brings a spouse into your life, awesome. But I think that it's important to hold in the balance. Okay, here's something I want. But at the same time, I'm not going to live my entire life based on trying to get this one thing. I'm going to be as diligent as I can to become who God wants me to be and I have to let him write my story because I've tried to write my own stories sometimes and they don't really work out that well. But when I let him write my story, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's great. So kind of, I mean, John, you gave a good segue uh, into my last question, which is what does it look like for you to, whether it's, you know, some people would say prepare for marriage, whether you're, I mean, Valley, you could even answer this even before you were engaged or whatever. What did it look like for you to go after those growth points that John talked about? Whether or not, you know, some of us ever get married or whatever, what does it look like to surround yourself with people in different life stages, people who are married, people you're learning from, working on your own growth habits, stuff like that? How are you guys doing that to really pursue maturity and really become or be marriage material or just a rocking single person, quite frankly? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, before we got engaged, we had just coming from a perspective of somebody who was talking about getting married with their partner, we had to have some really serious conversations of like, this is where we align in our faith. This is where we align in our finances. And I made 
before I allowed my fiance to propose to me, <laughs> I had him sit me down and he gave me a PowerPoint on all of the ways that we would not be homeless oh. in life. <laughs> I was like, we got to have food. We got to have a roof over our Wait, heads. You requested the PowerPoint? I requested the PowerPoint because he was oh, like, well, maybe word. we should get married. And I was like, okay, that sounds cool, but I don't want to live in a tent. <laughs> so okay, that would right. be really cool because I am really young and we, I am still yeah. in college. And so mm-hmm. having that conversation about like, these important things and also where we align in our faith, how we want to raise kids, stuff like that really just solidified in my mind that, yeah, this is a great person that I can build life with. Ah, that's neat. Yeah, that's really good. I notice right now in my singleness journey, um, I'm trying to develop more um, as a person and just develop more in my relationship with God. Um, I notice, I feel like I have control over like my mental emotional, physical, and spiritual part of, like, my life and just being able to develop and grow those, like, right now in this season. Um, And also, right now, I have... I recently moved in a house of four girls, and I feel like we have, like, a lot of communication, and I feel like that just really helps prepare me for marriage, like, little things like, um, you know, grocery shopping together or cooking together or just communicating about plans and... I feel like it's good having that right now so that when I get married, like I'm already kind of used to like being able to communicate about things in a house or just, yeah, different things in life. Cool. Yeah, I love y'all's examples. Those are fun. <laughs> I think something that I keep coming back to is no matter what my relationship status is or what my emotional state is, I will always be the Lord's. I'll always belong to him. And that's why I've got to daily seek his face. And having that time to just be in God's word is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. I know I talk about this a lot, but having that daily time to spend with him is where I can bring my deepest disappointments. It's where I can bring my deepest hurts. And it's where I can bring my deepest hopes that haven't come to fruition yet. And something that hit me even after my mother passed away is... She's not going to be at my wedding physically. We're not going to have a mother-son dance at the reception. And that's not easy for me to accept. But at the same time, we do serve a God of redemption. And I have to tell myself this on a daily basis that, hey, no matter what I'm feeling today, no matter how much I miss her, he's still here. Mm-hmm. A verse that I draw incredible encouragement from actually comes right from Genesis 24. It's Genesis 24, 67. I'd I'd highly recommend to all listeners who are feeling discouraged about singleness to go and read this story because it's a story about how God brought two people together. And it's the story of Isaac and Rebecca. And verse 67, it's the last verse of the story, especially stands out to me. It says, then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. Thus Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. And I, I love this verse so much because it was the very place that reminded him of his mother Sarah that God brought redemption. Mm-hmm. The very place that no doubt brought him sorrow and pain was also the same place that God healed his heart. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think to pursue growth, we have to be seeking the Lord because this kind of redemption story does not come 
from human hands. It's only one that God could orchestrate. And that's why seeking him every day is worth it. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. And just such a reminder, I'm also thinking just generally of the things that we've talked here today, how it's not an either or proposition. It's not like you're single, so you bag on marriage, but then you get married and now all of a sudden you're a fan of marriage. I mean, Hebrews 13.4 says marriage is to be honored by all. And that includes single people. It includes whether or not you're going to be married someday or you're not. Or, you know, some of you have been married and have walked through a divorce. Um, And so I think that's a, a good thing to keep in mind, too, that God knows your story and he walks through redemption on many different levels. And we know that God created marriage and it's a good thing. And uh, and he's created the many seasons of life and relationships as well. So there's not a hierarchy. It's not like, okay, all the married people, you're amazing. Sorry, single people, you're not. Um, But at the same time, we don't have to be envious of um, or disparaging of married people as well, because there's good things for everyone and hard things in all seasons as well. So you guys, thanks so much for being honest and, and open about this. And again, I think especially as the church, we can join uh, hands, link arms, and really be uh, that face to a world that doesn't feel like relationships are available to us and we can be encouraged in that. So thanks again. Thank you, Lisa. Cold day in a London cab, her phone rings. But I can tell the news is bad before the first tear falls. No one wants the sorrow a call like this brings. Doesn't get the last word after all everyone. We have got a culture segment this week that is going to be really interesting because, you know, there are a lot of people we have that have like written books or, you know, they talk about dating or they talk about whatever. Today's guest is literally an online evangelist. 
Okay, and you didn't think that that was a job description, but it is. And uh, more so, I mean, it's it's really a cool opportunity that he has um, from Australia. He's even talking to me here from Australia. It's like a whole other day for him in this conversation. Um, but I want to introduce you to Ryan Hemelar. He is the founder of NeedGod.net. Uh, he's also a speaker. And as I said, literally doing evangelism day in and day out, love. Uh, Love sharing the gospel with people specifically online through his ministry. And so uh, his ministry, as I said, needgod.net, is very active on social media platforms. Um, and he's sharing the gospel everywhere, including TikTok, uh, YouTube, Instagram, all of that. And so, Ryan, welcome to The Boundless Show. Thanks for having me. Well, this is super great. So, um, okay. Now, first of all, you've got to tell me, like, would you say when people take spiritual gifts tests, do you have the gift of evangelism? Does that ping for you? Or are you just like, God's called me to this in this season? I mean, clearly you have got to be jazzed specifically about evangelism. So what, uh, where does that uh, track for you or fall for you in the giftings? That's an interesting question I'll tell you a quick story. So when I became a Christian at the age of 15, for the first two years of my Christian life, I was too scared to share the gospel with anyone. Hmm. I was like, that's other people's job. That's not my job. I'll support people to do that. I'll pray for them, but I'm never going to open my mouth ever to share about Jesus. What what changed, though, is getting equipped to know what to say and and actually doing with like-minded believers. That was a super encouragement, big encouragement for me. And so I don't think that like that I've got some sort of special gift of evangelism. I think it's just simply the great commission Jesus gives to all Christians, just go and make disciples of all nations. And once I got trained up to know how to do it, I started doing it. And I was like, whoa, this is actually really exciting. Seeing people, people's lives be changed by the good news of the gospel and seeing that it's not about my eloquence. It's about the message of the gospel. That's the power of God for salvation. And as I started doing it, I loved it more and more, and then slowly got into a habit of doing it. And I started doing evangelism initially on the streets, um, some about 17 years ago or so, and continuing to do it on the streets. But how it changed to doing online was all just to do with COVID, actually. Oh, Okay. Yeah, so really a time and a place kind of situation. Well, that's fascinating yeah. because I know, you know, when people take spiritual gifts tests, there are those that have that gift of evangelism, but I like that you make the distinction of we're all called scripturally, those of us who are believers, to live out and walk out our faith in whatever sphere God puts us in and uh, and give an answer for the hope that we have. And so we know that that's true. Um, so that's great. And I think it makes it, it takes it to the streets and makes it attainable for us to say, we're just talking about what we've been given. And it's not its not a project. It's not like people take on something at work and they're like, oh, I had to go this training to do project management or to learn this tool or whatever. It really is. A, remember, folks, the spirit works with us. The spirit empowers us in this way. So um, well, give us a little bit just briefly, Ryan, your own testimony. Like how yeah. how did you come to Christ and what, when and how did you notice the change when he took over your own life? Yeah. So I, I was raised in a Christian home, going to church, but I wasn't ever a Christian, truly. I never came to fully trust in Christ until about the age of 15. And what happened was I managed to get my hands on a Bible and I read through the New Testament, the entire New Testament. 
And from that, I just saw God is holy, that God is perfect, and I was very far from being perfect. I had sinned against God so many times. And I saw that if God was to judge me based on how I've lived, I'd have no hope. I would be I'd be justly condemned to hell. But then I saw the good news of Christ, that he had died on that cross to bear the punishment that I deserve. And so I placed my trust in him from that very moment on. And from that point on, there was that change. Instead of um, being disinterested in the things of God, I loved God now. Instead of just loving sin, God was changing my heart to now love him and to resist sin. And it's that gradual process of sanctification as God transformed my life to make me more like Jesus Christ. And that's a, it's an ongoing work. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. Well, talk to us, you alluded to the fact that really this going online and really taking this online began with COVID, which maybe was a little bit providential in that sense for making this opportunity very real. But so what does it actually look like for you on the daily? Like what is opening up spiritual conversations online look like? Because I don't know, I, I don't know how many people are just like, the one thing I want today is to hear the gospel from Ryan. You know, I mean, it's like, clearly, you have to open up a conversation. So what does that look like to seed some of these topics and conversations? Yeah, good question. So because we were going out in the streets every day to share the gospel in the streets, and the lockdowns happened and during COVID, we couldn't go outside. We we're like, oh, no, what do we do? And so we saw, are there any kind of virtual streets, like where you can chat to people online, just like you would on the street corner. And so we found a website um, called Omegle. And it's basically a, a website where people just go in there literally just to talk to anyone, to talk to strangers about whatever topic they want to talk about. And so we're like, hey, let's use that as an opportunity. And so we, we tried that out and we're like, whoa, it's like 30,000 people on. Let's see if we can strike up some conversations. And Literally, what we, what I do, I say, hey, how you doing? Um, can I ask you a question? And people say, yeah, sure, go ahead. What do you think happens to us after we die? What do you think about the afterlife? And then just a, a simple question like that, you're asking them what they think about it. And sometimes you'll get some people who won't want to talk, but a lot of the time you get people who are like, yeah, I've, I've got this opinion or I think this. And you can have, we've had like even three-hour conversations with people just online as they're bored, they've got nothing to do. That's usually why people on a website like that, they just want to chat to somebody and they get to hear the gospel that mm -hmm. day. Wow. Okay, so what? give us an idea of what, as you're starting these conversations, what are some of the most common misconceptions that people have about Christians? Like, what are some of the, the hurdles that you have to overcome as you're having these? I mean, do they just think we're like completely whack or do you find like it kind of runs the gamut? Yeah, that's a good question. So when we meet people, I find that sometimes people think, okay, Christianity is just about being a good person and following a set of rules. And so sometimes that's even why they've just dismissed Christianity, saying, oh, that's too hard. Let's, I'll go to something else. And so even a lot of people who are professing Christians, we meet on Amigal, who are like, yeah, yeah, I think I'll go to heaven. Why? Because I'm a good person. So that they're actually trusting in what they do to get to heaven rather than Jesus. And so it's really cool, even with those sort of people, to explain the gospel. And they're like, whoa, I've never even heard this explained at church that way. And they come to understand the good news. But we, yeah, we meet all kinds of objections. You, you obviously meet atheists as well, people who don't believe there's a God. And their objection of is often, oh, but what proof is there? And my go-to for that is simply, hey, you see my house? 
right here behind me, would you agree that someone had to build this house? And they're like, yeah, of course. I said, how do you know? Well, because it can't just appear by itself. I'm like, yeah, same with the universe. It had a beginning, so it would need to have a creator for it. And for a lot of them, they're like, oh, I've never thought of it that way. Like, yeah, that's obvious. There has to be a creator. And then you can springboard from that. If there's a creator, well, he's made us with a conscience. We know right from wrong, which implies that he's going to then judge us after we die based on how we've lived. So do you think you're a good person? And from there, springboard into talking about um, how we've all sinned against God, how we deserve his punishment. But then the solution is Jesus Christ, who took that punishment for us, if we would believe. Hmm. So kind of having, what would you say are some of the um, biggest advantages of sharing the gospel online, as you've been doing a lot recently, versus doing so in person? And then what are some of the, the challenges related to that? Yeah, so the Apostle Paul, if you read the book of Acts, he went from one city to the next city to just reach more people for Christ. And it was difficult. He had to go on these long, arduous journeys, and he sometimes got beaten up at those cities and things like that. And I think if the if Apostle Paul lived in the 21st century, I'm sure he would see this as an amazing mission field, being able to reach hundreds of countries in the world, just simply even from where he lives. And so... With Amigal, the one cool benefit is that you can actually tell where the person's from. So what country from they're from and things like that. And so over the time that we've been doing it, we've been keeping track of all the different countries we've been able to reach. And then we've now reached 190 countries. So people from 190 different countries of the world. And so I've had it where someone's like, they're climbing the Himalayas and they're on Amigal and I get to have a gospel chat with them. Or they might be like in some, sitting in some really country remote area in India waiting for their bus to arrive and they're just having a chat about the gospel. Or it could be, um, yeah, someone down the street. I've, I've literally had someone who's maybe just a few miles away from where I live who I got connected to just randomly in God's providence and got to share the gospel with. And so I think it provides a unique opportunity to reach people across the world, even in closed countries where it's very hard for missionaries to go to, people in Saudi Arabia, China, people like that just randomly connect to them as God allows, and they get to hear the gospel, which they otherwise wouldn't have because it's very hard for missionaries to go there. Wow. So how uh, I kind of want to back up just for clarity, because when you say like, well, we have the opportunity to do this and we have the opportunity. So who is the we? Talk about a little bit about sure. who through um, through needgod.net, who's doing this? Because I know that our own Alex, who works on our team, has j- jumped into this. And he's, in fact, yes. the one that even introduced us to you. And so what is what is this team of folks like uh, who who is actually online with you as part of needgod.net? Yeah, praise God. So what what happened is. Um, some of the team that we have from the streets, they started joining us online as well. But then we started our YouTube channel where we live stream some of these chats. And so people can, if they want to, listen to any of these Omegle conversations we're having, at least some of them. You can listen to them on our YouTube channel. We do that live stream. And from that, particularly we started that during the beginning of COVID and people are sitting at home, they can't go outside. And so like, oh yeah, I'll listen into this. And so... We get people who have either who are, who were Christians who are like encouraged, right? Wow, the gospel's going out, or people who've just become Christians by listening into other people share the gospel. And then some of those people have said, "Hey, 
I would love to do that. In fact, even some of the people that we've reached and, and shared the gospel with on Amigle are now actually on the team. We've trained them up in knowing how to share the gospel. And so they join us uh, when they can to share the gospel. It's, it's like how um, Paul says in, in Scripture, he says, we speak, you know, we share to you. And so then you pass it on. Like it, we, we, it's a message that we pass on to others. It's, it's not a message that we just keep to ourselves, we'll be silent about it. But the gospel is something that's just such good news that we want to share it. And I love seeing that in a person's life. When they come to hear the gospel, they're like, I want to share this with my mom. I want to share this with my brother. I'm like, yes, do that. It's such a, a beautiful message that they want to pass on. And so we have then like a virtual room where some of the team just join into a virtual room and they each then have their own chats with people um, on Amigo and and get to reach people for Christ in that way. Yeah. Well, let's get a little practical here, because I think this is, as I'm thinking of even conversations I've had, like, say, on social media with friends, like, you know, I mean, social media has allowed us to be so connected with people. I mean, there are friends I have from high school that I'm friends with on social um, or I follow or whatever. But what would you say, and I guess this would apply even in, in person, sharing one's faith and sharing truth. What are lay out for us some do's and don'ts? Because I think it could be very easy. Of course, we know that social can be a online digital world can be a huge scream fest. Um, you can easily get uh, rabbit trails sidetracked. <laughs> so help us yeah, to not do that and focus on Jesus as the main thing. How do we how do we best stay focused on the message and not uh, you know what are what are some of those do's and don'ts that you would recommend for us? Yeah, there are definitely um, tangents that people can go down and then it's like overly not helpful. And so seeing what's important and the goal is you want to share the news of Jesus with this person. And so apologetics can be useful, definitely. And I think just like I shared before, if someone's not sure if there's a God, I give that building builder example and that shows them why there's a God. Sometimes you'll get people who just want to stay on the intellectual and they they just want to go around in circles there. And I think it's important to remember, as Romans 1.16 says, that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And so our aim is to try and get to the gospel. Now, some people will bring up random things like, oh, what do you think about this topic, this side topic that's not even related? And and to handle that, I you could say this. If it's a, something brief, you could answer it straight away and then get back. Or you can say, hey, that's a great question. Maybe what we'll do is, We'll talk about that just a bit in a little bit of time. Let's just continue on the train of thought where we were. And I think having control of the conversation, guiding it where you want to go is really helpful. One tip I also found about evangelism is to ask lots of questions. If I just was speaking to somebody and I was just speaking to them for five minutes, chances are they'll probably tune out and they'll be thinking about what's for dinner mm-hmm. rather than what I'm actually having to say. Mm-hmm. And so what I've learned is to keep someone engaged, you need to ask questions and a lot of questions. And that allows you to know if they're understanding what you're saying. Um, but also it gives them opportunity to say, hey, I, I wasn't sure about what you just said about this. And they can ask their questions too. So that's what I found is, is really helpful. And so they're like leading questions. So this is what I do when I try and get someone to explain, to, to understand the gospel. I'll say, okay, I'll first of all say, what can we do so that we don't have to be punished for the sins that we've done? And so I'm asking them what they think. 
And they'll say usually either one of two things, be a good person from now on, like stop doing the bad things or just ask for forgiveness. And so what I'll do is I'll try and respond to that by giving an analogy. I'll say, okay, just let's say there's a criminal in a court of law and he says, judge, I broke all these laws yesterday, but I'm really sorry today and I won't do it anymore. So please just let me go free. Would the judge let the criminal go free? The person then thinks about it. No, he wouldn't. Same with God. So no amount of asking and no amount of doing good could ever fix the bad we've done. And so we need instead someone to take our punishment for us. So if someone takes 100% of your punishment, how much punishment is left for you? Zero. Zero, yeah. So then if there's zero punishment, yeah, exactly. So if there's zero punishment left, then where would you get to go? If it's not hell, where would it be? Heaven. Right. And so that person was Jesus. And that's why he died on the cross and rose from the dead. And so I was, I'm getting them to kind of understand the logic of the gospel just by asking a few leading questions like that. And I find people come to grasp it a lot better that way. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, the, the whole question aspect is so good because it makes it personal. It gets them involved. Um, okay, well, I can hear someone listening saying to themselves, okay, well, this is all good for the Apostle Paul or for Ryan Hamilar, but quite frankly, I'm straight up terrified to even start talking about this because I feel like I don't know enough stuff. I don't, I'm not articulate. I don't know what to do. What would be your encouragement to them? Yeah, my encouragement is is that it's not your ability to speak. It's not about how eloquent you are. It's the simple message of the gospel. Paul says, I did not come to you with eloquence, but I came to you with fear and much trembling. And so God used the Apostle Paul, who was, they even claimed that he was a babbler. You know, he's just babbling on hmm. speaking. He didn't even speak confidently, and yet God still used Paul to save many. And so Think of Moses. Moses thought, I'm not a good speaker. God said, who made your mouth? I did. So I can give you the courage. But you'll actually find this. The reason why we often are afraid to um, share the gospel is because maybe we've tried with a family member or a friend, and they're just like, no, don't want to hear it, and they just close the door straight away. But Jesus said a really interesting line when he said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown and amongst his own family. And so what Jesus is getting at is that when he went back to Nazareth, the city that he grew up in, the people rejected him. They didn't want to hear him because they knew him. They knew his family. And you'll actually find sharing the gospel with strangers, people will have more of a politeness towards you, show you more courtesy if they don't know you compared to if they do. Mm. It's just funny how that is. And so that's why the benefit of doing it online, you're meeting people that you've you'll probably never see again. Mm -hmm. You've never met them before. And so even if you you feel like, oh, I blew that, you know, I wasn't very clear, you're like, it's okay, right? You'll probably never see them again. But no conversation is in vain because it's still a seed that's planted that God can use to water or to even bring to full growth straight away. We don't know. It's all up to God. Our job is just to be faithful in sharing it. And the very fact that fear is there drives you to prayer. If you if you weren't scared, you'd probably just do it in your own strength. But mm -hmm. uh, the fact that it can be terrifying a bit to share the gospel drives you to prayer, and then God can give you his courage. Yeah. That's why I'm so encouraged by Romans 1.16. You know, it says, um, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, 
And why? Not because I'm amazing or I have all the right anecdotes to insert or whatever. It's because it's straight up the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And so that the component of the Spirit joining us in this is so important to remember. Definitely. Well, Ryan, I just want to thank you for doing this work, for, for even you know envisioning this ministry and the opportunity to take it online for what God's doing in you and through you and through the team. Um, again, at needgod.net that is making this possible. Um, you guys listening, I hope you're encouraged and I hope you realize that God is still in the business of drawing people to himself and rescuing them from their own sin and setting them forward uh, for a life of eternity with him. And so um, we're going to have all these links available. You'll hear more about Ryan. Um, you Australians, I better get a shout from you because this is <laughs> one of your guys. I mean, Ross and Scott and Paul and Matt, I'm just thinking of a few of you. Um, I know, you know, uh, hearing from Ryan should be a, a shot in the arm for all you Aussies out there, even though you're heading into your fall and winter. So sorry about that. But um, anyway, uh, we will have the links available to you. Also, I just want to make you aware of um, many of you remember when in the past, we had Rico Tice on the show. He's written a book titled Honest Evangelism, How to Talk About Jesus Even When It's Tough. Uh, this is going to be available to you this week for a gift of any amount to Boundless. So just go to boundless.org. You can search for 807, uh, click on the book cover. You give a gift to Boundless. We will send you the book. And so just know that that's available as well. So Ryan, thank you so much for, for what you're doing, for being sensitive to the Spirit, and for sharing with us about it today. Thank you so much for having me. 24 hours rushing past I get caught up and I move too fast Another day is spent Working hard to keep my pace Trying to win the human race But somehow I forget That you're in control of all this mess You got the whole world in your hands, got the whole wide world in your hands, and every little thing is under your command. So I will trust your plans. You've got the whole world in your hands. It's the hardest thing. It's a constant fight in a world that moves at the speed of life To slow the chaos down But slowing on down is the only way I'll ever hear what you have to say I need to hear you now Cause you've got all of this figured out You've got the whole world in your hands Got the whole wide world in your hands your plans you've got the whole world in your hands well folks here we are for the end of the show with our final segment which is our inbox we're going to answer one of your questions and we've got one of our fantastic counselors jerry jones here in the studio jerry so good to have you thank you lisa it's good to be here Awesome. Well, this is a short and sweet question, and you're going to answer it for us and lend some expertise. Our listener wants to know, how do I break my habit of cursing? 
<laughs> very short, very sweet, and a struggle that we all face, yeah, Lisa. Many areas. And the Bible's brutally honest with us when it tells us that our tongue is a restless fire. It is something that corrupts the whole person. It is uh, full of deadly poison. And the bottom line is there really isn't a sin that we can't commit with our tongue. And of course, the most grievous is when we take the Lord's name in vain. And the reality for all of us as believers is that every single day is filled with spontaneous opportunities to use our tongues inappropriately. Uh, SROs, um, again, spontaneous response opportunities. I smash my thumb, a raw egg falls off the counter and splats all over the floor, someone cuts me off in traffic. These things are unforeseen, they're unexpected, but they're also inevitable and they demand a response. And the question is, in that moment, in that split second, how do I avoid using sinful words in these crucial seconds? And today I'm going to give you uh, my preacher's list of three Ps <laughs> for overcoming <laughs> for my habit of cursing. First of all is purpose. I have to purpose in my heart that I'm going to be a man who honors God with my tongue on a daily basis. Psalm 119 verse 1 says, Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. In my personal walk with Christ, there is no greater challenge than to keep my tongue from dishonoring Him. And the battle isn't won when I smash my thumb. <laughs> hmm. uh, the battle is won at 6 a.m. in the morning. When I'm having my coffee and I'm watching the sunrise, and I'm conversing with Christ in my prayer time, in my time in His Word. It is in that moment that I purpose to honor Him, no matter what happens during the day. So if I want to overcome my habit of cursing, step one is to purpose in my heart that I will honor Him throughout my day. Step two is to prepare myself for the battle. James says that the tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Jesus says that out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. That tells me that my battle with cursing is won or lost based upon what I allow my heart to be filled with. If I enter my day with my heart filled with self-centeredness or anger or impatience or vulgarity or unforgiveness, guess what's going to come out of my mouth when someone cuts me off in traffic. Mm -hmm. Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Psalm 119, verse 11, King David says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, Lisa, we talk a lot about our need as Christians for time with Christ each day. And I think sometimes it becomes a rote exercise, something we do to check a box. But I got to tell you, the battle of whether or not I use my tongue in a given day to honor Christ is won or lost in that crucial time with Christ. So purpose, prepare, and then step three is to pray. I have to rely on God's Holy Spirit for victory in this area. We have to pray and ask for his help, but we also have to pray and ask for his forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Keep short accounts. Mm -hmm. This is an area of most of our lives where the battle's going to continue. We are going to have victories. We're going to have losses, but he will forgive us. Yeah.
Well, great thoughts, Jerry. Thank you so much for for weighing in on that and for showing that with God's help, you know, there is victory in this area. And God is a God of you know, who who gives us the ability to change by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, such good uh, encouragement. All right, folks. Well, that is it for this week's show. Uh, remember that we love it when you write to us. You can find us at editor at boundless.org. And you can also um, hit us up on social, send us a DM, uh, find us on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, we'd love to interact with you there. And so that's kind of you being part of the Boundless family and the many things we do. So in the meantime, I'm going to plan on seeing you around next week. It's Lisa Anderson for The Boundless Show. The Boundless Show is a production of Boundless.org. Focus on the family. God wants true disciples, ones that think like him, talk like him, walk like him, disciples that bring shalom to the chaos of this world. Pursue that path with the RVL Discipleship Series. Bible scholar Ray Vanderlaan will give you the tools to understand the Bible more deeply and inspire you to be a passionate follower of Christ. Watch the first episode at rvldiscipleship.com.